Okay, this morning's message again, the, the counsel that we're going to all receive from God is, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? For the first place that we hear this is where I'm going to read from in the New Testament, because that's the only place that you see it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is in Matthew chapter 3, in those first 17 verses. And here it is. Verse 1, in those days, John came, it came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, repent you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is God's rule on earth, something that won't happen until Christ comes back in the second advent to set up the millennial kingdom, and that is in Revelations chapter 20. You see it in verse 2 and 3, and you see it in verse 6 and 7 through there, the kingdom. And it's different than the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everywhere God is, he's the king. The only place it's not happening right now is on the earth. But there's preparation for it. So verse 3 says this, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. This is really incredible. This is the fulfillment of Isaiah 40, 1 through 3, specifically Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. Notice what it says. It's very individual. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight, meaning thinking correctly through the scriptures. The same John, this is John the Baptist, had his raiment of camel's hair and a, le a leather girdle about his loins and his sustenance, his meal, his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out he, then he went out to Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when, he, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious crowd of the day, remember, God is not the God of religion, he's the God of personal relationship. When he saw many of these Pharisees and Sadducees came to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, you rock vipers. What's a rock viper? It's something that hides in a rock and, and, and looks for an opportune time to come out and strike. Just like today, all this legalistic teaching and all this phony things that are going around in our particular day. He said unto them, You rock vipers, O generation of rock vipers, who has warned you, warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. That's still true to us in our relationships with each other. Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Wish we could have the time to even get into some of these things. But I don't want to stray away from uh, what it's saying. But remember, okay, it's not the seed of Abraham that makes them, the Jews, who they were. It had to be the seed that came from Abraham, and that's Isaac, and that was the type of Christ. So they could say all day long they were the seed of Abraham. They did that in John the 8th chapter, and you look at that all the way through, and that's when Jesus said to them in John 8, verse 28, he said unto them, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> 
And no wonder they wanted to take up stones and stone him. So, verse 10. Now, also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 11. Here we go. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. That's necessary. That's preparing the way. That's what's extremely necessary. It's what is not very popular today in Christian teaching and preaching. It's not at all very popular. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Many other places say I'm not worthy to even unlatch his sandal. To bear, he will baptize you, listen, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. We're going to find out what his floor is. His floor here is Israel. It's not the church. This goes into Malachi, the fourth chapter. In those six verses there, we can see that crystal clear in the preciseness of the scriptures. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner. This will go into Matthew, the 13th chapter. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Notice that, unquenchable. It never goes out. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and come you to me. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Allow it to be for now, for thus it, will, it becomes us to fulfill all unrighteousness. John, you have your place, and I have mine. Then he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. You'll see where it says in Song of Solomon 1 and verse 15, and, and we'll see it, and it doesn't say it correctly in the King James. Some say, you know, she ha- oh, this person has dove's eyes. No, it says you have eyes like a dove. That's the proper pronunciation of, of Song of Solomon 1 in verse 15 and other portions where you will see it in Song of Solomon, and that refers to Christ himself. So we see that very, very clearly in the Scriptures. And so... You're going to see the heavens open and the Spirit of God descending like a dove, landing, lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is the Father, God the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we see the Trinity right here involved in what's going to happen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can see this very, very clearly. There is such a lack of, of intelligence about these things. And, and the reason is, the reason is, is because there's no teaching, which is a lack of teaching. Never, some never have been taught these things. Or there's just, there's bad teaching. Bad teaching. So some, they'll say, and they teach this, if you, and you've heard this, you, you'll hear this in Pentecostal circles, in some charismatic circles, you'll hear they're waiting for the second blessing. That's what they'll refer to this as the second blessing. And so what you see is these people crying to God constantly, and they do it individually. They do it collectively. I've seen people 
people that I love and taught and you know years ago and they left and went places and they are in Pentecostal places now and they're all jumping up and down and crying out and and then celebrating even their children they finally got their child who was born again finally got the second blessing no such thing in the scriptures whatsoever ever but they do it and they cry it out both for themselves and they do and they and, and they do want that for the church you'll see a lot of Pentecostal circles and all that, you'll see an emblem of fire. In those circles, the majority of what is said is not about Christ because they don't know. They may be born again, but they don't know who they are in Christ. They say the emblem is the fire, which is the Holy Spirit. That's their emphasis. The only thing is, in 1 John 4, 1, you need to try the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. And those that deny Christ and really in ignorance obviously, in their experience, can't be of him. Now, but what does the Scriptures say? Isn't that the most important thing? What do the Scriptures say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does the Scriptures say? It says this. There's one, John the Baptist said, there's one who's coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he said, whose fan is in his hand? And he'll gather up his wheat into the garner. This is speaking of Israel. This is speaking of the second advent. This is what it's speaking of. Very, very clearly in the scriptures. So he, he was, in John's work, was of what? A very highly important character, no question about it. It fit the character. The character fit the call of what he was to do. And he was Yahweh's messenger, sent before his face, because it was no less a person than, than Yahweh himself who was coming into the world to prepare his ways. So John clearly, clearly, you'll see this in John the first chapter. We don't have time to read all those scriptures, but you can start there. You can start there in verse 29 and go all the way through, and you're going to see he sternly, when those Pharisees and Sadducees came, he sternly rejected them for saying who he was. Are you that light? Of course, he made that crystal clear he wasn't. But he, he, what he was doing in his message was sternly declaring the moral state of Israel. Remember, there's, there's no true moral without true spirituality. I'm going to make that clear. There's no really difference between the two, by the way, whether books are written about it or not. There's no difference at all. So, he is, his message was what? And you know, to this day, the unsaved don't like to hear this message if they're not, if they, God hasn't brought them to the place of helplessness and hopelessness in themselves. And today, Christians, born again Christians, don't like to hear this message. And what is it? It's called repentance and submission. Because there's no repentance without submission. There's no submissions without repentance. A complete change of mind. The will given over to function in the will of Christ who fulfilled their obedience in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 based upon John 4 and verse 34. It's very clear in the scriptures. So Israel was not in that place as a nation. They weren't in a fit condition or state to receive Christ that was coming. So that was the message. 
Their national hopes, yes, were centered in him. They still are today. They're still at the Wailing Wall in old Jerusalem, still hoping and waiting for him to come, who they actually really did reject in John 1.11. He came unto his own, and the nation of Israel and his own rejected him. They're still in that particular place right now. Their national hopes, even back in Jesus' day, were centered in him, but like today, for the nation of Israel, they still weren't ready for him. In spite, in the face of the Baptist, John the Baptist's testimony. Okay, that's what that's what we are. As Christians, no such thing as Baptist, Methodist, Wesleyan. There's no such thing as that whatsoever, as much as there isn't even non-denominationals, okay? No such thing in the Word of God. But they discerned him not. They didn't discern Christ when he came. They rejected him. They didn't discern him. And when they didn't, they refused him. And when Christians, Christians, don't discern him through a lack of teaching and no teaching, even in the most basic things in Christianity, how do they even function? Function in a normal house, never mind a spiritual house not even knowing how to function, they're going to refuse Christ and him and his order, and they're going to cast him out, but to their own ruin, just like Israel, and just like a Christian can live. They have Christ in their position, but don't experience him in their experience because of these truths that are being brought out by God this morning. So, God is doing a work of another character in the world right now. That's what he's doing right now. We're going to see that. That now the kingdom waits. The kingdom of heaven, in Matthew 6, verse 10, that's the disciples' prayer. He said he taught those Jewish disciples to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That won't happen till millennial reign. So the kingdom is waiting, and that has to happen the second advent. That happens the second advent. And so what do we see here? It awaits, it is awaiting Israel's repentance and the acknowledgement of the Messiah. So if I look at Revelations chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, Behold, he comes with the clouds. He comes back with a multitude of those that are the church. Those that are his and those that were prior to the church, coming back with him with a multitude of angels, the clouds, it's like blocking out the sun. That's what it's talking about. Behold, it comes with the clouds, and every eye will see him. And they which also pierced him, nation of Israel, gave him over to the Roman government to pierce him, to crucify him. And they which also pierced him. And then all others will mourn because the reality is Christ is real to the ruin of their own plans that didn't have a single thing to do with him. So this is waiting. And what is God doing right now then? What is he doing right now? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is it? God, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is gathering out those who are to be these heavenly joint heirs. That's Romans 8, verse 17, based upon Romans 8, 15 and 16, based upon Galatians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. Very clear in the word of God. 
He's gathering out those that are to be joint heirs with Christ, baptizing them by one spirit into one body. What is that? What is God doing? Is he doing right now? Is his fan in his hand right now? No. No. That's going to happen, but not now. But what is going on right now, and what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, here we are. This is for the church. The church only, different than the nation of Israel's is nation of Israel, as much as those still, through a lack of teaching, still want to ha- us to have, as Christ, to have a Judeo-Christian heritage, which there's no such thing in the scriptures at all. So here is 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and you can read the whole 12th chapter right through to the 28th verse. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, it says this, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. No such thing as Hebrew Christians and Italian Christians. No such thing. That's all gone. Whether Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free, all have made, been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. God is gathering them out, all of us, out of the world system, out of it. Jesus in John 17 verse 14 wasn't of this world system. Neither are we that are his in John 17 and verse 16, which was the true Lord's prayer in those 26 verses of John chapter 17. So, in John's gospel, the Baptist of the, it speaks of in John the first chapter, and you will see this and I will see this. Remember what he said John the Baptist is baptizing. What was his baptizing? Getting them ready to repent and get ready to receive Christ. Ready to receive him. Have the Jews as a nation been ready to receive him at this point as their Messiah, priest, and king? No, they're still waiting for him. Do we have anything to wait for as his church? A single thing. No, we don't. John the first chapter. John chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and he yelled out, mood, tense, voice and case in the original. He yelled out and yelled it. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin. Not the sins, but the sins of the world. We're going to see the difference here. This is he of whom I said after... He, after me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was. What is he was? That's John 1, 1 and 2. He was before me in his pre-incarnate state as the very Son of God, who then became truly the man, the Son of Man, truly God and truly man. This is he. And I knew him not, meaning he didn't know fully even what he was doing, but God had him do it and he was obedient. And I knew him not, but that he, should, that he should be made manifest to Israel. That's as far as he went. Therefore am I baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. 
in the form of the Holy Spirit, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. I knew him not. But that he sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he yelled it out again, Behold, the Lamb of God. And then you can follow it through the rest there. But the fact of the matter is, this is what John was talking about in John 1, verse 29. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Has that happened? It happened in God's mind. Has it literally happened and been fulfilled yet? John 1, 29. It is not what Christ was doing at the time that John the Baptist spoke this. That's crystal clear in the Scriptures. Very, very clear. The Word is characteristic. He is going to be and will be the taker away of the sins of dealing with it all. And has that been dealt with as far as God is concerned? Yes, in his mind, but Christ came here to manifest and actually fulfill it. Because you won't see sin completely in its complete realm, even after the millennial reign, until Revelation's 20th chapter, when men finally run to Satan's banner again to follow him in sin, and then he's dealt with once and for all. Then you see the new Jerusalem coming down in Revelations 21 and 22. Then we go into the eternal state in Revelations, the 22nd chapter, which is brought out very clearly. And for those that will teach annihilationism and universalism, Revelations 22 and verse 11 does completely away with that. He that is holy, let him be holy still. He that is unjust or filthy, let him be filthy still. It doesn't go away. Only Christ does that, makes us pure. In Titus 1, verse 15, to the pure all things are pure, but to them that are unbelieving, haven't received Christ, even their conscience is defiled. John is, so what he was speaking was the very character of Christ about what he would do. Future. Characteristic. The work in virtue of which sin will be entirely removed was accomplished at Calvary, but then Christ is going to come and reveal it fully and deal with it. Deal with it. There's a lot in here we need to take in. And it's awesome when we can understand it in the preponderance of all the scriptures. And that's why in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture, not just the Pauline epistles, as some would make it. All scripture is given of God by inspiration and is profitable. All of it. And understanding, it's profitable when we understand it in its proper place when we're taught properly. And we need to be. That's the most important thing about us. We need to be taught properly. And if we can't do it ourselves, we need to be in a place where it's done. That's a fact. That's a solid fact. That's a very, 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 very solid fact. So that, that will do away with any wondering. 
by the way. It'll do away with it clearly, with all of us, and I speak of all of us, myself <laughs> at least as much. But the work was, was, was accomplished. But sin, but this sin still remained in the world, even though Calvary, in, as far as God was concerned, dealt with it. Is there sin in the world today? Of course there is. There is sin in the world today. And so, but we won't see that happening in John 1, 29 or 1, verse 36. We won't see that in its full application, but because it looks forward to, we know, these scriptures, to the new heavens and the new earth wherein righteousness will dwell. Is it dwelling in the earth right now? It dwells in us because Christ is in us as the church in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, yes. But is it in this, on the earth right now? No. Absolutely not. Has not happened yet. Second Advent hasn't happened. Millennial reign hasn't happened. And then the, the dealing hasn't happened, which, which follows. So there's the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. This is what Peter the Holy Spirit gave Peter in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, which was fulfilling Isaiah 65 and verse 17. God said, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and even heavens. Why? Because in Job 15, 15, even the heavens are not pure in his sight. Because there's going to come a time when even all those evil demons and Satan will be cast into the lake of fire, never to be had anymore, all through the heavens and then on the earth also. What is God doing today? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's taking people in the church age dispensation of grace. He's taking them out. We are the church, ecclesia, out, ek, out. Ecclesia, assembled ones, out of this world system, out of it. The world, <laughs> and it's unfortunate when the world enters into the Christian experience and then think that you're doing God's service. Very important to be taught properly. It most certainly is for all of us. Now, the fact of the matter is that hasn't happened yet, but it will. But John bore a record and said, I saw the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending on him from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but that he did. He sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, that same thing that we said, you're going to see the dove, the Holy Spirit, come upon Christ. Come upon him. There's a reason why you and I are even sealed by the Holy Spirit in this dispensation of the church age. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit because as a man, the Savior, Christ himself, was sealed by the Holy Spirit. We see the fulfillment of that for us in Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, and Ephesians 1 and verse 13. We're sealed. Stamp. We're owned, we're approved, we're satisfied. That's why Jesus said, the words, the flesh profits nothing, but the words that I, in John 6, 63, but the words that I speak unto you, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and their life, me. Fulfilling John 16, 13, and 14. The Holy Spirit taking the things of Christ, not apart from taking it with him and showing us Christ. And no wonder the Holy Spirit does not glorify himself. Yes, he's God, but to glorify him apart from Christ is not glorifying God in John 16, 13, and 14. 
There's no question about it. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You see again, and that's in John chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. The Lord Jesus himself, as was just said, was sealed with the Spirit as a man below. But he is risen and in glory, and because of that, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. That's what he fulfilled in John chapter 14 and verse 16. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter. He said, now as long as I've been here, since I was the only one that was sealed with the Spirit, the fullness of it, in Colossians 2 and verse 9, when I was felt... Because when I'm crucified, I go down for three days into the grave, not hell, the grave. I go up and I send down that Holy Spirit of promise. He who was with you when I was here, not till I rose in glory, will I send him down to be in you to form the church. And that's John 14 and verse 17. Very, very clearly in the scriptures. And we can see that. Now, this is what it says here in Acts the first chapter. This is Acts chapter 1. Okay? And still, Acts chapter 1, it's still very Jewish until we get into Acts chapter 2. As much as would, those that would teach that the church didn't begin till Paul. Nonsense. Scores of scriptures reveal that the, the Pentecost, the church was being formed Right now, in Acts the second chapter, not the ninth chapter, 13th chapter, 22nd chapter, 26th chapter, no, 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 right here in Acts the second chapter. We see it. Because nothing happened like this ever on the earth till this happened. Right here. So in Acts the first chapter, we can see it very clearly. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse Verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. The Jews, the, these Jews. But wait for the promise of the Father. Who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. That both Christ and the Father sent. You see that in John 14, 26, John 15, 26, and John 16, and verse 7. These are the scriptures. These are the scriptures. They're not man's scriptures. They're not mine. They're ours because they're Christ for us. Christ for us. So again, they're to wait for the promise of the Father, which, as you heard, was of me. That's Christ. It's of me. It's a result of what I accomplished on Calvary. And now I send down the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water. That was a water repentance. Get ready. Get ready. He's coming. Get ready. To the Jews, get ready. He's going to come. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from here. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Of course not, according to the Scriptures. And according to understanding 2 Peter 1.19, prophecy, some call it church history, yes, but it's part of, part of that. But preceding is, is all this prophecy that we have. I had a woman said, yeah, this is all truth, all about who we are in Christ, but what about all the Old Testament scriptures? Well, what about them? What about them? What about them? 
Verse 7 of Acts 1. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. His own power, of course, we know in 1 Corinthians 1 and 24, Christ the, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, he that would accomplish obviously, the messianic kingdom, which is still future, and of course, us as his church, Christ accomplishing both, one preceding the other, without any question about it, not one and the same. That's why we don't have a Judeo-Christian heritage. There's no such thing in all the scriptures. Again, he put them in his power, for a sake. But you will receive power after that you have received the Holy Spirit, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what you see starting in Acts, the second chapter, all the way through. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, again, I'm going to read these scriptures, and hopefully we'll have some time to... Uh, to try and wrap it up. But I want to read, I'm going to start with, and I'm, I just want to read Isaiah, the 61st chapter. Isaiah chapter 61. Verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Christ. This is speaking in prophecy of Christ. The Spirit of the Lord of God, the, of the Lord God is upon me, the Holy Spirit, because the Lord has anointed me through the Holy Spirit, to preach good tidings unto the meek. Notice that's the meek. Those that don't make anything of themselves, but make everything of Christ. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, okay, yes, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, right? the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Notice the planting of the Lord that he may, might be glorified. No one else but him. This is speaking to the nation of Israel. Now, now we go to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. And here we are in Luke 4. In verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, the slum area. Our Savior was, in his humanity, in his 30 years, was brought up in a slum area. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and, re and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Notice what he said in verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He stopped there. He didn't talk about the day of vengeance because that wasn't to happen then. He left that part out, but he will fulfill it. You and I will see it. We will come back with him as eyewitnesses in Revelations, the 19th chapter, to witness it. We will see it. 
We will be though part of those clouds that come back in Revelations chapter 1 and verse 7 because we are a heavenly people. We are people people on the top, the heavens, where he's going to deal and set up his kingdom on the earth. And that's why the floor, and we will see that in scriptures if we don't get into it today, the floor is him dealing with Israel on the earth. But first he has to remove their enemies. So he left it out. He said, and then he closed the book in Luke 4, verse 20, and he gave it to the minister and he sat down. Notice that? He sat down because he was the finisher. He sat down and the eyes, oh boy, wouldn't this be something? If every time we got together and we fellowshiped around Christ, this wouldn't be what it was with us. Notice this. And the eyes of all them that were in that place to hear the word were fastened on him. Hebrews 12, 2, look away. Christians, stop looking away from everything that distracts you from Jesus. And then look to Jesus. But first, you get, he has to deal with the distractions. The de- those, he has to decrease in John 3.30 so that we fasten our eyes on the increase of who he is in John 3.30. So many distractions, so many reasons why we can't even come and be taught like this. Because, you know, after all, sometimes we're so busy, we're to do our own thing, and we don't even know from time to time what we're supposed to do. I can tell you what you should do. If you don't know how to be taught specifically, then you need to be in that place where you can be taught. That will be your answer to what you're wondering about the next step are. The next steps. I just want to make it crystal clear. About as clear as I can. He doesn't leave it up to natural choice where he locates us. He never uses weather to call us to certain places ever in the scriptures. Never. He's in control of the weather. He is. Nobody else. He doesn't lead by that. And we'll never get peace based upon that. We will never have it. We'll never be able to figure it out. We'll go from one thing to the next. We need to be in a place, honestly, and each of us need to take a proper place. All the eyes were fastened on him. And in verse 21 of Luke 4, he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear... All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. But yet they still said, Is not this Joseph's son? Oh boy. Talk about familiarity. You talk about familiarity. You know what familiarity? It keeps, keeps others from being taught in a way they can't teach themselves. But will still keep them busy in their own things. I'm going to make that crystal clear. Crystal, crystal clear this morning. And he's making it crystal clear in me. I'm going to make that crystal clear. He doesn't bypass any of us. So what we see here, based upon this preponderance of all these scriptures here this morning, is that in the risen state, the risen state, alluding to John's word, Jesus said in Acts 1.5, 1.5, and he said it there, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days after this. He had to be crucified, go down, rise up, 
go into heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, and send the Holy Spirit down to form the church. That's what he was doing. And he said it, and, and it was to be in the risen state. That's what we have right now. We are in our position in the risen state. Are we in our experience? Do we have the proper teaching, the precise proper teaching? And John added, John added here, John did, and we read that in John 1, 32, 33, and all the way through there. John added, and with fire, but this the Lord omitted. He did it in Luke, the fourth chapter, and he did it here in Acts 1, 5. He, he, John added the fire, because that was his message. He was speech, preaching to the nation of Israel. That brings in Malachi, the fourth chapter. You'll see it in this six verses. Read them. But this the Lord omits as having no fulfillment yet. Remember what Jesus said when he was still speaking to the Jews? He said, he said Peter, heaven, you, flesh and blood didn't reveal that truth to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will future future, not till crucified, in the grave, risen, and sending down the Holy Spirit to form the church. I will build my church, and the, all the power and gates of hell will not ever prevail against it. Isn't that awesome? That's how it was in Matthew 16, verse 18. But the whole time it was kingdom teaching in Matthew 6, verse 10, brought out in Matthew 15, and verse 24. He wasn't sent at that particular time, but the lost sheep of the house of Israel no question about that. But fire here, it was omitted by Christ at this particular place to prepare them to receive the Holy Spirit to be part of a local assembly, the body of Christ, and to function as the one body in, in local assemblies. Fire is an emblem of divine judgment. Fire is an emblem of divine judgment. And as the forerunner, the very character of the message of John the Baptist is explained. But Christ is the divinely appointed administrator of it. Of it. Israel. Israel. And here's the scriptures I want to give it. Israel is, the, is Christ's floor. What does that mean? What do I mean? What, is the, what does that mean? Israel is his floor. Look at Matthew the 13th chapter. Do you know what he told Peter? Do you remember what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, Simon, Simon. He wanted to get his attention. He said in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you. He's begged of me to get my permission to take you and to put you in his sieve and to violently shake you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you, but I have to shake you so you can experience abundant life, and then once you're converted with that truth, pass it on and strengthen the other brethren in Luke 22, 31 and 32. And he didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fail. He said that his faith, his dependence on Christ would not fail. And in that sense, he would strengthen through the grace that he would receive, which would be the truth, his brethren. But he had to be shaken, just like God. God is doing it right now, folks. He's shaking. You look at Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Read those 29 verses. 
and you will see it. He's shaking, specifically 25, 26 through 29 of Hebrews 12. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And he does it through the preaching and teaching and preciseness of the word. The very preciseness of it. And so, fire is an emblem of that divine judgment of which Christ is going to do. Now, Israel is his floor. Is he dealt with them now? Is he dealing with them now? Nope. What is he doing? He's taking a church out. He's baptizing believers through receiving Christ, the spirit of baptism, placing them in the body of Christ, as was said, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, Ephesians 5, 30, because he's the head of that new race of men and women that make up that body of Christ, Ephesians 5, 30, his body, of which he's the head in Colossians 1 and 18, and in Colossians 2 and verse 19. And so he, he, when he returns, second advent, not first advent, it's not one continuous thing, at his return, he will purge it and he will deal with the apostate mass of the nation of Israel. He'll separate the shaft to be burnt with unquenchable fire and blessing the remnant, which is the wheat for the garner. How am I to understand that? Notice everything about Israel when they finally realize that Christ is their prophet, priest, and king, like he is for us as his heavenly people, it's nothing about ourselves. It's everything about him. Because in both cases, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we're not our own, we're bought with a price. Calvary reveals that. No wonder there's no glory but in the cross that crucifies the self. Galatians 6 and verse 14. Crucifies all the private plans. All that craziness. Instead of functioning as one whole body with just preciseness and, and just power. Gosh, I don't know. What are we waiting for? Yeah. I don't know. For something for God to do in us. <laughs> wow. Again, Israel is his floor. Oh, how do I know that? Well, that's because that's in Isaiah 21 and verse 10. That's in Hosea 9 and verse 2. That's in Hosea 13 and verse 3. That is in Micah 4 and verse 12. That is what Je that's what was being taught by the Baptists in Matthew 3 and verse 12 and in Luke 3 and verse 17 that's dealing with the nation of Israel. We are his church. Notice, he will burn up the shaft. In that sense, those are all that are unsaved Israelites that will go into hell. Now for us, what is our burning? What is the fire and judgment? Is there any judgment for us in Acts 17 and verse 31? No. The resurrection is the proof we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the body and sealed. Proof of ownership, we're not our own. Oh, God, I wish we'd get that one straight. We're not our own. We don't have our own plants. We're not our own. None of us are. None of us are our own. Thank God. But for us, we, when we appear at the Bema Seat, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Romans 14, 10 through 12, we appear at the Bema Seat 
And fire is the, his eyes. In Revelations 1 and verse 14, fire penetrates everything and reduces it down to whatever it is. And, when, and if it's the life of Christ in us that we submitted to in our own character, and it was the equal of our conduct, we get a reward because that's the, the gold, silver, and precious stones. But what is, what is burnt up? Wood, hay, and stubble. It is burnt up. He's showing us at the Bema seat. See, this is what I judged all this and dealt with it. It's not who you are. That's why there's no terror there at the Bema seat. It's not a seat of judgment in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's not a seat of judgment. It's an evaluation and a manifestation seat, period. Period. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.11, there's no terror. The terror will be in Revelations 20.11 to 15. That's where the terror will be. In no place else will it be. The wheat for the garner. It is a serious mistake, and this is made constantly in certain circles. Certain circles. And there are precious believers that consider themselves to be Pentecostal and charismatic. And they are members of the body of Christ. We're one body, but do, they, do we have one mind? It's a serious mistake that the baptism of fire is going on right now. It's not. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what's going on. In this dispensation of grace, in this dispensation of grace, the church age. Listen, that's what's going on. It is judgment, pure and simple. Fire, judgment. But for us, this is the day of grace. You see the separation of it in John 1 and verse 12. You see it. They rejected them, the nation. They're put off right now. In John 1, 12, that is the dispensation of grace, the church age. But as many as would receive him, to them he gave the power to become what? The right and authority to become the very sons of God. Show me that anywhere else in the Old Covenant. Sons of God in the Old Covenant were angels. Clearly in the Scriptures. Job 38, verse 7, and, and, and many others too. Many, many others are brought out. But here, as we close, again, we, we read, and God had us read, all of us this morning, so that all of us, all of us together, all of us together are being taught by the Holy Spirit. All of us are right now. It's kind of interesting how that happens, because we're all in this place and we're being taught. Isn't that interesting? I find it very interesting. Okay? Remember we read Isaiah 61, 1 through 3? But Christ, when he read that in Luke 4, 18 and 19, he broke off in the middle of the second verse, the acceptable year of the Lord, leaving the words in the day of vengeance of our God. It was acceptable then. It's still acceptable now in this dispensation of grace, the church age. But is, the day, is that day of vengeance of our God come yet? No. This is the dispensation of grace, the church age. No question about that. We need to have this clear, precise teaching. He left it out. Some have felt and found difficulty. They have. They found, have had difficulty trying to understand the Spirit's descent that was in the church, forming the church in Acts, the second chapter. And they were what? The Spirit came and it was of the form of uh, of a dove, but and they spoke with tongues of fire. What does that mean? What are we supposed to do? 
What does the flesh and the Christian not want to hear? Repent. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. You need to repent and receive in your experience who you are in your position in Christ. You're not your own. You don't choose where you're going to go. You don't choose who's going to preach to you and teach to you. You don't do any of that. God does it. He does it. And he brings out the preciseness of his word when we function in a proper order, in a proper place. Nothing for the Christian right now but fellowship. Anything else outside of that is just the flesh. Anything outside of it. It's a distraction in the flesh. And that's why sometimes when we do things we think that God calls us to do, it doesn't last that long, does it? It doesn't last that long. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for it. Especially if it's people you're concerned with. Okay? Once they've had the word, you don't go to them. You let them come to you because otherwise you just get in the way. Very interesting. Spirits descent with the tongues of fire because the form at that particular time was suited to the character of the recipients and the character of the testimony they were to bring and to bear. The Lord's testimony was marked by grace right now, dispensation of grace. It's marked by grace. He came not to condemn the world. That's John 3 and verse 17. Not right now. He did not come to condemn the world. He did not cry out and shout in Isaiah 42 and verse 2. He didn't come to break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax and the dimly burning flax in Isaiah 42 and verse 3. He didn't come to do that. Okay? He never did. The work of the disciples, kingdom age, kingdom teaching, was of a very solemn, though very blessed character. They charged sin home upon men. They did. That was their message. And believers today, when you try to teach them that the flesh is not who they are and that you're not against who they are in the flesh, you're, you're against that, but not who they are in Christ because they don't have precise teaching. Boy, when you don't want it, off you go. Off you go when you don't want it. So all you're doing is going back, even in your understanding, where you go back to. I want to make that clear because I am making it clear this morning. Very, very precisely, and I'm doing it very broken too, by the way. Very broken. Because it's a work of God, not a work of men. It's a work of God. And he, his love motivates our love and our desire for him and love for others, to fellowship with him and to lay aside all these other things and deal with each other transparently. But you've got to be vulnerable to do that. You have to. But he, they charge sin. And, and believe it, that functions in the flesh and doesn't want the light, don't, don't want to hear it. They do not want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They mock. There's a lot of mocking that went on. Very hurtful. They charge sin upon men because it was the word of God that was their means and the word of God judges everything before it, while still conveying 
And this is the message, and we'll have to stop here. Still conveying eternal blessing to every soul who just received the truth about who they are in their position. This is what it goes into. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're just kind of touching on it this morning. So, Father, we thank you for the loving, incredible truth that, that we have in you. We thank you. We praise you for it. Thank you for it. We thank you all for it. None of us are the author of it. None of us are. But for us to receive it in a proper way, we need to all be in a proper place to receive it. So, Father, thank you and praise you for this truth. In Jesus' name, amen.